acceptance and commitment therapy is a technique that's gaining popularity among psychotherapists. We traveled to Chattanooga, Tennessee to speak with Kim Eckert about her use of ACT with her client population. My name is Kim Eckert and my husband and I own a practice together called Roots Counseling Center. We're both clinical psychologists and we have about 10 other therapists who work with us. Acceptance and commitment therapy is an approach that really helps people move toward and open up to their life instead of restricting and, and moving away from. Some of the, some of the best research on, on thera therapeutic outcomes suggests that, that it's both the quality of the therapist-client relationship, but also a reduction in avoidance behaviors that really are connected with success. So within acceptance and commitment therapy, there's an emphasis on things like acceptance of, of feelings that are here, willingness, a willingness to allow yourself to experience what's happening in the moment, mindfulness, being able to incorporate mindfulness skills as a tool to be able to accept those feelings and have a willingness, kind of an open hands approach to life. And, and also the C, acceptance and commitment therapy, is that you are living according to a set of values or commitments. And what I really appreciate about this is that it, it provides a, re a really clear way to ask those questions in therapy, to be able to say, who are you? What, what do you value? Not what do I value and what am I telling you and what do I think you should do and what I think it means to be a person um, who is emotionally healthy, but what do you really want to do? I think about this in terms of when I work with somebody who's in a, in a tough marriage, being able to say to them, what does it mean to you to be a good partner? What, is it, what does it mean to be a good spouse? And what happens if you begin to make decisions according to those values, not based on what somebody else is doing, not based on, on their emotions or their actions, but what does it mean to say, I'm going to live and move and choose my responses based on this value that I have about what it means to be a parent or what it means to be a spouse or what it means to be a colleague or an employer or, or any number of things, being able to reflect on and help people identify those things for themselves. What is of value to them? What is important to them? And how to, how to move toward making decisions based on that sense, that deep sense of self, of who I am versus a temporary or a transient feeling or reactive, reactionary kind of behavior from old stuff or from other people being able to root and ground your responses in, in who you actually want to be being able to set an intention and have that guide you one of the one of the metaphors in act that i really love is is the idea of taking it with you and so the example that i think about or when i do groups or when i talk about this with people i i think about this experience i had when i was a new mom and i had um my first child he was tiny and it was the first time i went to the grocery store and I went to the grocery store and we finished up at the grocery store and I took him to the car and I put him in the car seat and I start driving. I'm in the parking lot and he starts screaming. He's just screaming and screaming. And I knew mom panicked. I thought, and I stopped the car in the parking lot. I stopped the car and I, I thought, what do I need to, what do I need to do? And I went through the checklist of all the things. Do I need to feed him? Do I need, what do, and, and I realized 
there, I, there's nothing I need to do. He's just screaming. <laughs> and in that moment, I was, I felt really paralyzed. Like I felt like I needed to pull over and keep stopping the car. And yet I, I also knew I need to go home. I can't stay in the parking lot of the grocery store all this time. So anyway, if you think of your fear or your anxiety or your sadness or whatever the uncomfortable emotion is as the screaming baby in the back seat, it's saying, Hey, that baby's back there and it's really distracting <laughs> and it's painful and what, you know, whatever it is. And I'm, I'm going to keep going. I'm getting in the car and I'm driving and I'm taking that with me. So I'm not going to go home and just stay at home and not leave my house because I have this screaming baby or stay in the parking lot at the grocery store. But I'm going to take that discomfort with me toward my life, toward the life that I value, that with things that I am choosing and letting my commitments guide what I do and what I value and believe guide what I do instead of my emotions in the moment or my fear or anxiety in the moment. ACT is a really clever acronym because it implies something that's really central to the model, which is action. And that you're not waiting for discomfort to go away before you act, before you move toward your life. So I'm not going to wait until my baby stops crying in the backseat to go to the grocery. I'm not going to wait for myself to not feel anxious until I move towards something in this group I did recently, one of the women in the group talked about how um, every time that she has to go somewhere new, she experiences a lot of anxiety. And so she does a lot of preparing, right? A lot of preparing ahead of time. She gets multiple maps. She writes it down. She loads it on her phone. She has a whole series of things that she that she plans for in advance. And, and then she goes somewhere new. And no matter how many things that she's done, no matter how many different things, something will inevitably happen that it, she doesn't expect and she'll experience some of that anxiety. And so at one point we were talking about this and, and she said in the group, so I'm going to just feel anxious. And I said, yeah. And several other people were like, yeah, you should probably just expect that you're going to feel anxious because you have every single time you've ever gone anywhere new. And so then what happens is she does all this planning she tries to prepare, she feels anxious, then she beats herself up for feeling anxious. So not only did she do all this, but apparently it failed because she's still having the anxious feelings. So then she's upset and anxious because of the anxiety, right? So it fuels and it's just this self-perpetuating. And she said, okay, so I should just plan. I'm going to feel anxious. I should just assume that. We said yes. So the next week she came in and she's like, I went somewhere new and I knew I was going to feel anxious and I did and it was fine. And it was, it, it maybe sounds like semantics, but if you could have seen this woman and the smile that was on her face, it was so powerful because over time, actually, in the course of the group, she actually noticed she had a few weeks where she was like, I think I felt happy being able to open herself up to new experiences, to new feelings, because she realized, you know what, this is something that's uncomfortable for me and I'm going to feel anxious. And to be able to accept that, that anxiety is probably going to come with it. And when she stepped out of it, one of the phrases that I like in, in act is, is dropping the rope in the tug of war. So when she stopped resisting and just said, ah, yeah, it's not giving up. It's just saying, yeah, that's probably going to happen. So when I go out for a five mile run, I'm probably going to get a cramp and I'm probably going to feel tired. And that doesn't mean I didn't run five miles. I still did it. I did what I set out to do. It hurt some of the time. 
it doesn't make it a fail. The win is the going. I just finished doing a group for anxiety and we used primarily acceptance and commitment therapy strategies with, with some other skills. And it is a hard sell in the beginning. People come into a group on anxiety and their goal is, I would like to feel less anxious. I would like to have less of this. This is why I'm here. And so it is kind of a hard sell to come and say, guess what? Actually, what we're going to do is not reduce your anxiety. We're just going to change. We're going to change your relationship with it. And in fact, what we're really going to do is welcome it. We're going to say, hey, here you are. But in reality, over time, what I what I saw in this group and what I see with, with people that I work with, with anxiety or OCD or different things is, is, is connecting with the reality that actually has, has it worked for you to push it away? Has that resistance and I'm not going to feel this and I won't feel this and, and I can't feel this and I'm going to devote all of my energy to managing my psychological pain in this moment. Has it worked? No, of course not. That the intensity of the avoidance has the opposite effect, that it actually increases the suffering, it increases the pain. And so the paradox is by loosening up and detaching and being less afraid of the pain, of the discomfort, you actually do usually feel some reduction in that discomfort. Um, but it's, it's a, it is a, it's a big mindset shift and it can be, it can be really overwhelming and, and frightening to, to think about it in that way. But I also think it is so empowering. So for people to recognize that they don't need to be afraid of their own story, of their own body, of their own pain, that they actually can feel that fear. They can feel the fear and move, that they can move toward life. And so one of the things that I talk about with people a lot, I really love this little, this little, I, I don't have it with me, but a diagram, which is just a picture of a hill, right? And so it's, and you imagine kind of riding a bike up a hill and over it. And, and what avoidance is, is imagining if your anxiety is like going up the hill, when you avoid the behavior, whatever it is, you drop down, right? You drop right out and all that discomfort immediately goes away for a moment. And then the next situation comes up and you're right back on the hill. And the problem is with the way our brains work, every time that you avoid, every time we avoid, we reinforce the fear. We make it worse. We make it worse. It gets stronger and stronger and stronger over time. And so... We're creating and worsening this, the very thing that we think in the moment that we're taking care of. And so finding a way and recognizing what has avoidance cost me? What has avoidance cost me in my life? What have all these different avoidance behaviors cost me? Looking at that honestly and looking at the ways in which what's happened over time is that we've gotten smaller and smaller. We've restricted our life in an effort to manage that depression or anxiety or whatever, or physical pain in that effort, well meant and well thought out, but not effective in the long term. our lives end up getting smaller and smaller. And ACT is a really practical way to help people expand, move toward their life. And so you can't feel more of life, feel more of all the emotions that go with life, but keep this part, this anxious or uncomfortable part cut off. And that's what we do. We try to say, I would like to not feel anxious, but instead we reduce the feeling overall. So in another way, some of the act people say, life is not about feeling better, but about feeling better. Emphasis on the feeling and be able to move toward feeling and, and to recognize that feelings are valuable and they're also temporary. And so 
you can feel whatever that is, panic or pain, and ride it out. So you can coast over and through that. And you also can open up to feeling so many other different emotions. And there's a richness to life that comes with being able to move toward and expand instead of instead of your life. In terms of thinking about using the body, I think about the difference of living a life where you're guarded, right? Where we're trying to like turn in on ourselves and and protect ourselves from whatever's coming versus a life of um, of openness. I absolutely, in terms of my work with people, I ask them consistently questions like, what what is of value to you and how are you thinking about this? I really do think in terms of commitment and recognizing your own values. One of the things that I try to talk with people a lot about is the benefit of therapeutic writing and journaling. There's so much good research on that. Again, it is a hard sell with some people. Some people think about themselves as writers and some people think about themselves as not, or they get kind of stuck in that. So I also talk with people about other ways that they can use expression. So it might be that they're doing art or they're doing other kinds of, of expressive work that is connected to that um, reflection on identity and what's important to them and what's valuable to them. So I don't necessarily have people do a worksheet about these are my values, but I, and I, well, I do think as well, I, I certainly adjust the techniques that I use for the client who's in front of me. So I have clients who really love and, and do well with with a lot of structure. And so those clients, I'm more likely to actually suggest one of the workbooks like mindfulness and acceptance workbook for anxiety or get out of your mind and into your life. Um, those are, those are great resources and have really good audio. Um, they have good audio meditations as well. And I've referred many clients to those and asked them to do that along with therapy. And those have really structured, exercises where people can get so much out of therapy in between sessions, doing that work themselves. You know, there's some people who won't do that. Um, and, and then we're doing more kind of structured activities within the session. Willingness is such a great term within acceptance and commitment therapy. The way um, talking about willingness, allowing yourself to feel and being willing to feel. It doesn't mean that you're saying, I like this or I want to feel this way, or this feels good. It just says I'm willing, I'm willing to feel whatever is here. And I'm willing to, um, to stay in this discomfort for this moment, instead of doing whatever I can to squash it and get rid of this momentary discomfort. I'm willing to, I'm willing to be in this discomfort. Part of emotion is that it, it by nature, it changes. I think that in, in terms of thinking about emotion and how we, we tend to tell ourselves the way I feel right now is the way I'm going to feel forever is, is that we do ourselves a disservice with that because then no matter how good the feeling is holding my new baby for the first time, falling in love in the first date or a first kiss or your wedding day, no matter how beautiful or precious that moment is, there's always a bittersweet component because that moment will pass. The other side is that the reverse is true. No matter how intensely painful a moment is or a feeling is, it will change. It will pass. It, it may not pass immediately and it may not change in the way that we want it to, but it is not going to be exactly the same as it is right now. And if we can accept that with the good 
and cling less to the emotion, it also allows us, and, and really from a, from a brain perspective, it teaches our brain the skill to kind of detach, to, ex- to experience emotions and appreciate them, but also recognize that they, that they shift and that they change. This podcast was brought to you by Therapy Appointment, a practice management system designed especially for psychotherapists. Therapy Appointment provides online scheduling, billing, insurance, charting, appointment reminders, teletherapy, HIPAA-compliant communication, and much more. Therapy Appointment. You provide the therapy, we provide the rest. More info at www.therapyappointment.com. If you have a suggestion for a future episode of this podcast, please email me at bill at therapyappointment.com. Thanks for listening. See you again next week.